Hey everyone, welcome to Good Wolf Radio. It's Jared Scarlato, founder and fitness coach of Thrivology in Alexandria, Kentucky. Today we continue our conversation on burning calories. Last time we talked about a couple of important topics. You can go back and review the whole episode if you'd like to look at it more in depth. Here's a basic overview of what we talked about. Number one, there are three basic energy systems that we utilize throughout the day. The aerobic system, which utilizes fat. The glycolytic system, which utilizes glycogen or carbohydrate. And the anaerobic system, which utilizes a substrate called creatine phosphate. Your aerobic system is what you use most of the time. The glycogen system you use for high-intensity exercise, less or movement activity, less than about two minutes. And then the creatine phosphate system you use for anything less than about 10 seconds. Also, the thermic effect of food is 10 to 15% of your daily energy expenditure. So your when you eat something, you start by chewing it and it goes through this whole digestive process. And through that process, your body is burning calories. And then by the end of it, you absorb different levels of it based on the nutrient content of your food and you excrete the rest of it. And then finally, um, if you want to increase the thermic effect of food, then you can either have more calories per meal or you can have more protein per meal. For most people, the most effective strategy there is going to be increasing the amount of protein that you have per meal. So when it comes to burning calories, probably trying to increase the amount of calories you're burning through food is not the most effective strategy. Again, it makes sense to start to shift and manipulate your meals in such a way that you are utilizing those nutrients more effectively. But that's probably not going to be the best way for you to start to increase your calorie output, if you will. The other two ways, so there are three main ways that we burn energy or burn calories. Number one, thermic effect of food. Number two, your resting metabolic rate. Number three, movement thermogenesis. The other two ways have a greater, much greater impact on your overall calorie burn throughout the day. That's what we're going to look at today, starting with the resting metabolic rate. So what is the resting metabolic rate? Well, when you go to the doctor and you're putting on, you've put on a couple extra pounds and the doctor goes, ah, don't worry, your metabolism just slows down as you age. It's just your age. Don't worry about it. Um, that's generally what they're talking about when they talk about your metabolism. Of course, there's a whole host of other things that go into it, but your resting metabolic rate is generally what you're talking about. Um, it is literally the amount of calories you burn at rest when you're not being physically active and kind of when you're not digesting food. It's hard to, of course, break all of these things apart. So it's a very pretty general guesstimation of what's happening, but that's what it is. It is the amount of calories that you're burning at rest or when you're not being physically active, if you will. This portion of your calorie burn throughout the day is anywhere from 50% to 80% of your calorie output. That number, that big range there is based on the amount of physical activity that you do throughout the day. We'll get to that in a little bit. So when it comes to 
your resting metabolic rate, there's a couple things that go into it. There is your basal metabolic rate. That is literally, if you were just to lay around all day long, had very little, if any, physical activity, and you were just laying around, that is literally the amount of calories that you would be burning if you were laying around, not doing anything. That is your basal metabolic rate. I don't mean to make this confusing, but it's important to differentiate. That's why resting metabolic rate makes up also like other portions of your day. One of those portions is also called your EPOC or excess post-oxygen consumption. This is what your body is doing after physical activity. So anytime you do some sort of physical activity, generally exercise or higher level physical activity, it has to cool down. It has to calm itself back down, if you will. That calming down period, you're still you're burning more calories on average than you would be if you had been sitting for, say, two hours straight. That calming down period is called excess post-oxygen consumption, um, or EPOC for short. And that calming down period during that time frame, your body is, like I said, it's burning more calories on average than it would be if you were just laying around. This is also built into your resting metabolic rate. The more oxygen you consume during an activity, the more calories you're going to burn after it's finished. So for instance, if you were to get up and go for say a 20 minute stroll where you're walking at a steady pace, nothing too intense, and then you sat back down, it wouldn't take your body all that long to get back to a resting state. Therefore, it doesn't have to go through a whole, a long cooling off period. Conversely, if you were to go out and run, say, 10 sprints up a hill, run 10 sprints up a quarter mile hill, that would be very hard, but it's a good example. Um, maybe not a realistic example because I don't know how many of us are doing that, but we'll use it. I think we all realize how tired we would be running up a quarter mile hill 10 times. At the end of that, your body would have to cool off for a very long time, right? That makes sense. That cooling off period, you're burning more calories on average than you would be if, if you had been sitting that whole time. Okay, that is called EPOC. So it is things like that, those things primarily that make up your resting metabolic rate. So within your basal metabolic rate, you have things like the liver, the intestine, the brain, the kidneys, the heart, the muscles, your fat even, that are burning calories. Each one of those things makes up a general kind of percentage of how many calories you're burning while at rest. Your liver, intestines, brain, kidneys, and heart make up 75% of your resting metabolic rate or your technically your basal metabolic rate in that case. Um, about 75% of that is utilized through those processes. Your liver filtering through things, your brain staying neurologically adaptive, your kidneys working, your heart pumping, your blood um, pumping through your body, your temperature regulating, and all that fun stuff. That's 75% of 
of you just laying around. 20% is your muscle maintenance. Your muscle is pretty active, a very active organ. That is 20% of your basal metabolic rate. And then 5% is the fat on your body. Okay, fat is not completely, completely inert, but it is mostly inert, but it does still have some impact on your basal metabolic rate. Okay, so like I said, this whole thing called, is called resting metabolic rate. That it's 50 to 80% of your daily energy expenditure. Now, the hard thing here is that you can do some things to increase it, but some of them take a long time to take effect. Some of them can be, can have an impact in a short amount of time, but need to be done regularly. So while this is the biggest bulk of your energy expenditure, it, it's, you still can't have a gigantic impact on it um, in the short term, at least. So here's a few things you can do. One, drink more water. Um, more specifically, it seems like drink more water at a given time. So there was a excuse me, a 2016 study that showed that drinking 500 milliliters of water at a given time within a short time frame, I don't recall the exact time frame, but it was less than a couple minutes, probably pretty much drank the whole 500 milliliters in one sitting. Um, that increased fat oxidation over the next 90 minutes. Fat oxidation is literally burning fat, oxidizing fat, if you will. So having a big serving of water, this, in this case, 500 milliliters, increased fat burning over the next 90 minutes. Pretty cool. Um, I wouldn't put that as like the main idea of you burning more calories from, you know, via this resting metabolic rate, but it's one simple way to do that. Also, you can improve your sleep. So again, a 2015 study showed that five nights of five hours or less of sleep reduced re resting metabolic rate by three to four percent. Reduced it by three to four percent. That's five nights of five hours or less of poor sleep. Um, I'm sorry, five hours of sleep or less. Doesn't, they didn't quantify, I think, the quality of the sleep. Reduced resting metabolic rate by three to four percent. So this is going to happen at about six hours for most people as well. So five hours is not the cutoff here. The average person should sleep between seven and nine hours. The quantity is important, but the quality is equally as important. So when you're looking at improving your sleep, don't just look at trying to just sleep for seven to nine hours. Improving your sleep is important as well. But nonetheless, um, if you're the kind of person who sleeps less throughout the week and then makes up sleep on the weekend. It may not be the most effective strategy. Yes, most research shows that one night of sleep generally bumps that resting metabolic rate back up to baseline or pretty close to it. But that still means there's five days in there where you're getting poor sleep and your resting metabolic rate is low and can have a huge impact on the outcome of your food ingestion, if you will. So finding ways to maintain high quality sleep throughout the week and just in general so that you're not 
impacting your resting metabolic rate. Like I said, that three to 4% reduction, pretty, pretty significant reduction. Um, also, you can improve your EPOC. We talked about excess post-oxygen consumption. This is technically, now that I'm sitting here saying it out loud again, I think it's technically excess post-exercise oxygen consumption, but I think it will pertain to any kind of physical activity. It just depends on the intensity of the activity. So um, sorry for those people who are going, you're missing something. Excess post-exercise oxygen consumption, consumption, we can call it excess post-activity oxygen consumption, um, because like I said, it's gonna pertain to the intensity of the activity more than if it's exercise or not. So there's another interesting study, study that compared steady state cardio to high intensity interval training. Steady state cardio, for those of you who aren't familiar, that's if you're just doing something for a long duration of time, generally longer than about 30 minutes or an hour, up to an hour, well, longer than an hour for a lot of people, at just a steady rate. You can think of jogging or going on a treadmill and jogging or walking or getting on an elliptical for a long period of time or uh, riding a bike for a long period of time. Anything like that is steady state. Any time that you're staying steady, that is steady state cardio. High intensity interval training, on the other hand, is training at a high intensity for a short bout of time, getting some amount of rest, and then repeating that bout over some amount of intervals. So for steady state cardio in high intensity training lasting the same amount of time, we'll call it an hour, steady state cardio required about 20 minutes or so of epoch time, if you will. In other words, time for the body to cool off you were burning more calories at, than at rest during that 20 minute period. Whereas high intensity interval training, it was about 45 minutes for the body to cool off. So there was an extra 25 minutes of cooling off time where the body was burning at a higher rate and it had to cool itself off until it got to its resting state. So changing the kind of activity or the intensity of the activity that you're doing will also increase the calories that you're burning. Again, this is hard to measure, but it is a simple strategy to kind of, I don't know, get more out of what you're trying to do. So if you're the kind of person that's going to the gym and all you're doing, or primarily what you're doing is getting on the treadmill and walking, one simple thing that you can do is maybe do hill intervals, walk up, bring the treadmill up to an incline for a minute, drop it down, bring it up, drop it down doing that for some period of time. That way, when you get off the treadmill, your body has to cool off longer. And therefore is not only are you burning more calories during the period, but you're burning more calories after the exercise period as well. And then the last thing that you can do, and this is the one that's going to take more time is build muscle. So if we look back at resting metabolic rate within that, we talked about excess post-exercise oxygen consumption already. We also have basal metabolic rate. That's literally the amount of calories that you would be burning if you were com at complete rest. Within that, 20% of that is muscle. 20% of that calorie burn during complete rest is muscle. So your muscle is pretty ac active at rest. Not terribly active, not extremely active, but pretty active at rest. 
so you can put on more muscle and therefore burn more calories. Now, it's important to understand that this isn't a short-term strategy. This is a long-term strategy because you're not going to put on a pound of muscle and all of a sudden burn a thousand more calories. A pound of muscle will give you approximately 10 extra calories per day. So every pound of muscle that you have is about 10 calories burned per day, if that makes sense. So if you put on one pound of muscle, you're burning an extra 10 calories per day. That doesn't seem like much, but let's say you put on five pounds of muscle, that's 50 calories per day. That is 350 calories per week, which is 1400 calories over the course of a month. And if you put that out over the course of a year, then it's many more calories. That's why I'm saying this isn't a short-term strategy. This is a long-term strategy. And of course, I'm also not suggesting that you go try and be a bodybuilder and have all these big bulky muscles on you. That's what most women at least are trying to stay away from. Um, having more muscle on your body than not on average, there's of course a point of diminishing returns, is going to be better for almost everybody, especially as you get into the later years. And no, women cannot get big and bulky naturally. That takes exogenous hormones to do that. In other words, external help, steroids, and all that fun stuff. Um, I don't say fun in a, I say fun in a joking sense. Nonetheless, Putting on muscle will definitely help your resting metabolic rates, but it's not going to be a short-term strategy. It's something you should definitely do. Also, increasing, the more you activate your muscles, if you're living a sedentary lifestyle now, maybe your muscles are burning six or seven calories per day, per pound. Whereas if you're an active person and you're resistance training regularly and you're doing those things and you're building, then you're burning 10 calories per pound of muscle per day. So that is also important, literally just activating your muscles more often so that they are burning more at rest. That'll increase that as well. So those are kind of your basic strategies for increasing your resting metabolic rate. Again, although this is 50 to 80% of your daily energy expenditure, there's still not a whole lot that you can do to really have a gigantic effect on your resting metabolic rate. You can have, you can certainly push it along over the long term. You can keep it high. You just because you're getting older does not mean that your metabolism is going to stop, slow down, and all that. Yes, most definitely, biologically speaking, once you get to a certain age, your body will want to start slowing down metabolically, especially if you're not doing anything. That is the most important caveat here. It is if you're not being physically active, your body will start to deteriorate. Definitely. But there's a lot that you can do to overcome that, stop it, slow it down, and even reverse it. So those are some of the strategies that you can do to improve your resting metabolic rate, thereby improving your metabolism. Okay, the final way that you burn energy throughout the day is through movement thermogenesis or the energy you burn through movement. If you recall our conversation during the Movement Matters series, we talked about three different types of movement. We talked about exercise NEAT, which is short for non-exercise activity thermogenesis, and play. 
So the majority of the calories that you burn during movement are through exercise and NEAT. So we're not going to be talking about play today. We're going to be kind of lumping that in to NEAT, if you will. So between exercise and NEAT, those being our two main categories of movement thermogenesis, Movement thermogenesis itself makes up anywhere from 20 to 50% of your daily energy expenditure. Again, that range is there because some of us are more or less physically active. Many of us are shifting more toward a sedentary lifestyle. So that's going to make up a smaller percentage of that daily energy expenditure. And I'll go ahead and tell you right now, like this is of course where you're going to have the biggest impact, but it's probably not in the place where you think it's going to be. So, between the two, NEAT and exercise, NEAT can make up anywhere from 70 to 100% of your movement thermogenesis or the energy that you burn from movement throughout the day. Exercise can make up anywhere from 0 to 30%. So just from looking at those numbers alone, it should lead you to understand that NEAT is going to have probably the biggest potential here when it comes to burning more calories throughout the day exercise please obviously like thrivology is built around exercise so it's dumb for me to go oh, don't worry about exercise like let's just worry about moving more throughout the day that would be silly for me to say exercise is extremely important testing your body extremely important if you don't stress it it's not going to grow it's not going to keep strength you're not going to keep muscle you're not going to keep your organs functioning highly you're not going to keep your hormone production up high all those things so Please understand this is not me telling you that you don't need to exercise. However, NEAT is where most people, what most people overlook. And when you overlook it, even though you are an exerciser, even though you may be an exerciser, you still can be missing a whole lot with your NEAT. So when it comes to that, and it comes to your NEAT, like I said, it, it makes up 70 to 100% of your movement thermogenesis or the energy that you're burning through movement. NEAT, the amount of energy that you burn through non-exercise activity thermogenesis, NEAT for short, is based on a number of different things, your age, your gender, your weight, your fitness level, all of those things have an impact on the energy that you burn during just moving around throughout the day. There are three basic categories of NEAT, if you will. In other words, if you were to look at your NEAT movement or just your everyday movement, there are three basic categories. Number one, your posture, literally how you sit, stand, lay, whatever. If you're laying around and you're requiring literally no effort from your body to stay upright, you're burning the least amount of calories, if you're sitting up and leaning back in a chair, then you're requiring more than if you're laying down, but still not much. If you're leaning forward in a chair and you're requiring your body to stabilize itself, that's even more calories. And then if you're standing, of course, that's going to require the most calories as far as posture goes. Okay. So literally your posture is going to have an impact on how many calories you're burning throughout the day. Your ambulation throughout the day, in other words, just like, just like moving throughout the day, going and doing laundry, going and cutting the grass, getting up out of your chair to go to the bathroom, like all of that, just moving around, grabbing a cup and taking a drink. And then smiling afterwards. All of that requires energy. Um, 
Finally, your spontaneous movement. So like if you twitch a lot or if you tap your feet a lot or the, the team tells me that I click my pen a lot, which apparently I've gotten better at. I don't know if that's like me trying to burn more calories subconsciously or what that was, but like those kinds of things add up throughout the day and they count towards your calorie burn throughout the day. Those are all parts of neat movement, if you will. So with neat movement, this is, like I said, where you can have really the biggest impact of your energy burn throughout the day. Exercise we'll get to in a bit, and that can have a big impact as well. But neat, it is very easy to overlook this part, so I want to spend some time on it. So when it comes to neat, you can be burning up to 2,000 calories plus a day with your neat activity alone. Now, you have to be pretty active throughout the day to be burning 2,000 calories, but that's not like extremely active throughout the day. That can be moderately active, moderately to high activity throughout the day. So even like 1,000 calories throughout the day through need activity can, be, can have a huge impact. So you can make up a, a big, 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 big deficit here when it comes to your energy expenditure and if you're trying to burn more calories throughout the day, this is a very simple strategy, very effective idea to really grasp onto that will have a gigantic impact, not only on the calories that you burn. Yes, that's what we're talking about the last couple of weeks, but ultimately that's not what this should be about. Well, it's up to you what, it, what it's about. Ultimately, this is about your overall health, well-being, and vitality, and that's what we're trying to improve. Nonetheless, let's look at a couple of activities and what those kinds of things burn on average on a calorie per hour basis. So sitting, for instance, burns anywhere from zero to 50 calories per hour. Cooking, ironing, standing, and playing a musical instrument burn on average 50 to 100 calories per hour. Cleaning, depending on how intense, I'd love to see some like vigorous cleaning out there that could really bump this up. But actually one of our members that leads, <laughs> I forget, we, we've done challenges over the last couple of years and we asked the challengers during the challenges to post videos of themselves doing certain exercises. Sometimes one of the exercises or one of the daily challenges was like, do an exercise while you're cleaning and one of our members was bear crawling and cleaning underneath the couch so that just popped into my head for some reason um, nonetheless cleaning doing laundry painting that's anywhere from 100 to 200 calories per hour shoveling snow yard work again depending on how intense it is gardening depending on how intense it is anywhere from 200 to 300 calories per hour so as you can see there's a whole range of things that you can do here in order to increase your need activity throughout the day. Need just being your movement throughout the day. Scheduling things to do throughout the day. If you're working from home, scheduling activities to do at breaks, scheduling more breaks into your day. There's all kinds of things you can do here. During our Movement Matters series, we talked about movement intervals and movement outcomes. So movement intervals are literally setting a timer for a certain interval throughout the day that can be generally as short as 15 to 20 minutes if you want it to be or an hour or longer than that if you want it to be and at that interval getting up and doing something 
Again, whatever you want it to be, that can be doing laundry if you're working from home or going to the water fountain if you're at work or going to the bathroom if you're at work. And then letting that interval go throughout the day and getting up at every interval. A movement outcome is setting an outcome that you want to achieve by the end of the day around an exercise or something. So let's say you want to do 100 push-ups by the end of the day. Sometime throughout the day, get up and do 10 push-ups and then do that 10 times throughout the day, and then you have 100 push-ups. Let's say you want to do 100 squats. You maybe do the same thing. You can combine these two strategies together. Let's say you want to achieve 100 push-ups. You set a timer to go off every 30 minutes. At every 30-minute interval, you get up and you do a certain amount of push-ups until you reach the 100 push-up mark. Okay, that's a couple of basic strategies to get yourself up and moving more regular, regularly throughout the day. Okay, next strategy for NEAT is, that's different, something different than what we talked about during the Movement Matters series, is fighting your lazy elephant. So, it's worth thinking about your subconscious self as this lazy, lumbering elephant that wants to take the easiest path, just wants to just walk the simplest path, straight line from point A to point B. Whenever we go to the grocery store, we drive around for 20 minutes looking for the closest spot. Uh, whenever we are at the mall, we look for an escalator for 20 minutes so we don't have to walk up the stairs. Generally, they're next to each other, so that doesn't make much sense. But nonetheless, so we're, we're always looking for the easiest path, right? Even though it, it's, number one, potentially much worse for us because... If I'm driving around for 20 minutes looking for a spot, I'm getting frustrated about it, and that's not productive in any way. And number two, we're looking for a closer spot, and that requires less physical activity. So fighting your lazy elephant, realizing those moments when your body and your mind especially, your mind's going, what's the easiest thing for me to do here? How can you not find the easiest thing to do? Not that you need to make it totally challenging. You don't need to like park a mile away for the fun of it. Although you could if you wanted to. That's up to you. If you want to push your grocery cart that far, um, which is a whole other fun activity in and of itself. But, I mean, take an extra, it takes you an extra 30 seconds to walk from the back of the parking lot based on the front of the parking lot. And it's a extra effort. Your body gets a little more activity. Like, fight those tendencies. And the more you fight those tendencies, the easier that it becomes for you to want to do those kinds of things. It, it puts in, you got to put in a little effort in the beginning, but the easier it becomes. And that's really what it's all about is kind of building that into your life so that you're burning more calories. Yes, important, but also just having an overall healthier output uh, outcome in life. Okay, that was neat. Like I said, movement thermogenesis in general is 20 to 50%. Neat is 70 to 100% of that. So, Basically, if you start to increase your NEAT, it's going to start to increase the amount of your daily energy expenditure, um, which is really what we're after. The other part of this, of this equation is then exercise, okay? Exercise is purposeful activity. It's activity for the outcome of, of improving your health in some way, shape, or form. It's, it's structured. It's something you're doing in a structured kind of way. Recall that there are three energy systems. We have the aerobic system that burns fat. We have the glycogen system that burns carbs and the anaerobic system that burns creatine phosphate. One of the purveying 
beliefs out there is that aerobic exercise is the thing that you need to do if you want to burn more fat because it burns fat whenever you do it. So that's the basic thought is that if I'm doing aerobic activity, then I'm burning more fat and therefore I'm achieving my goal better. So what's happening when I'm quote unquote burning fat while I'm doing aerobic activity? The fat that you're burning comes from a couple of different places. First of all, there's lipids flowing through your bud, blood, <laughs> through your blood. That's where your body goes first. It's the lipids that are flowing through your bud, blood. What is wrong with me? Jeez, old Pete's. <laughs> your blood. That's where your body goes first for, that, for the fat. And that's what it's mostly using. Next, it's going to go to the fat burning. Uh, now I got myself thinking about this bud thing. The fat stored in your muscle. That's where it's going to go next. Then it's going to go to the fat stored in your adipose tissue. That can be subcutaneous, which is under the skin, which is the fat that most of us want to burn, or visceral, which is around the organs, which is actually, actually more deadly. Deadly is a strong way to put it, but I'm going to leave it that way than subcutaneous. Okay, so blood lipids first, muscle fat second, and then adipose tissue third. The moral of the story is you have to do a long bout of exercise in order to get to that subcutaneous level. While it is true that the ratio of fat to carbohydrate is more in aerobic exercise. What is also true is that you're burning less calories. So the, what you really should be maximizing for necessarily is not the fat burning per se. It is the calories that you are burning during a bout of exercise that you should be looking at because even though you might be burning 70% fat during, say, a long, somewhat intense walk, if you're only burning 100 calories per hour, your body doesn't care. If over the course of an hour's time, you've burned 800 calories through high-intensity interval training, that's a big deficit. It is the amount of calories total that we should be looking at not necessarily only only the type of exercise while varying the type of exercise that you do and the intensity is very important as well for metabolic flexibility because you want to be able to burn fat and burn carbs and utilize creatine phosphate and you want to be able to do all of them effectively just because you're doing exercise remember that we said in the beginning of this sleeping is when you're burning the most fat so you just sleep all day and you're going to burn yourself, you'll, you'll be thin, who knows, pretty quick, right? I mean, that would make logical sense, but, but that's not the way that it is. As most of us understand, a lot of us live a sedentary, sedentary lifestyle. In other words, we are at rest a lot. So it would, if we were burning more fat at rest, we would think that that's what's going on. So while I'm not telling you that you shouldn't do aerobic exercise, you most definitely should because it is very important. What I'm suggesting is that 
that don't make it based on the idea that you're burning fat during aerobic exercise. Think of it as the calories that you're burning during because of the intensity of the exercise. Okay. Um, so there's a range of calories that you can burn based on the kind of exercise that you're doing. I have a couple of examples here just based off of what most people do. Running, for instance, running. When most people think about running or most people are doing running, it's it's more of jogging than it is running. Running could be anywhere from jogging at a really slow pace to full out sprinting, right? So saying running is a very broad thing. So within that frame, you can burn anywhere from like 300 calories an hour to like 800 calories an hour based on how you're doing it. If you're jogging, then it's going to be closer to three to maybe 500, depending on how fast you're jogging. Whereas if you're running at a pretty good clip, then it might be 600 or so. And if you're doing sprint intervals or something like that, then it's going to be even higher than that. So there's a big frame in there. Weightlifting is the same. Weightlifting, if you're doing like bodybuilding style weightlifting, where you're doing just one muscle group a day and you're taking long breaks in between sets and all of that, then you're going to burn maybe 200 calories an hour or something to that effect. It's going to be relatively low. Whereas if you do more of like a metabolic resistance training kind of routine where you're lifting at a high intensity, maybe you're doing squats for 30 seconds and then you're doing push-ups for 30 seconds and then you get yourself a little rest and then you do kettlebell swings and so on and so forth so you're moving at a pretty fast clip you could burn 800 calories an hour doing something at that level so again there's a range in there how you're doing it is very important hiking also the same thing you can hike intensely or you can hike mod moderately biking same idea okay so you can burn calories doing any kind of exercise. The question shouldn't be, what's the kind of exercise that's going to burn the most fat? The question should be, number one, what's the exercise I'm going to do regularly that I enjoy most of the time? Shouldn't be all of the time because it should be challenging. But what's the kind of exercise that I enjoy most of the time? Number two, how much effort am I willing to put into it or put a better way or a different way um, how hard am I going to work during my bouts of exercise? Because it's those kind of things that make the difference in how many calories you burn and therefore potentially how much weight you're going to lose. You put in more effort during a bout of exercise, you're going to burn more calories and therefore you're going to potentially get to that weight loss faster. Whereas if you're going to, if you want to use walking as your form of exercise, totally fine, totally fine. You need to understand it might take you a little longer than if you're doing metabolic resistance training. So not right or wrong, not anything like that. You just have to decide what's the form of exercise that I want to do that I enjoy most of the time. How high of an intensity am I willing to work at? And if you can answer those questions, then you can start to get a higher output of calories from your daily activity. Okay, this is where you're going to have the biggest impact if you're trying to burn more calories that is through your resting metabolic rate like i said it's going to be much harder to do it through your resting metabolic rate even though it's the vast majority of your daily energy expenditure but you can do it by some basic strategies improving water improving your sleep 
um, changing the type of exercise that you're doing, and then building muscle over the long term. And then movement thermogenesis is really where you're going to have the most change here. Neat, do not overlook the importance of neat and how many calories you can utilize during that time. Get yourself up and moving, basically, is the idea there. As often as possible, set timers if you need to. You need to follow through when you hear them go off. Fight that lazy elephant. Don't go parking, trying to find the closest parking spot. Be okay parking at the end of the parking lot and walking for an extra minute. It's, it's going to be okay. Um, and then also exercise. Remember, it's the intensity primarily, not only, but primarily of the exercise that you're doing um, and not necessarily the form of exercise itself. Yes, the form is going to be important to a degree. Resistance training, like we saw, that's going to help you build muscle, which is going to help improve your resting metabolic rate. But outside of that, like it has to be something you enjoy for the long term. Otherwise, you're just not going to do it. Good. That was a quick summary. Sorry, I didn't say that that was the summary, but that was our quick summary. <laughs> Let's look at some questions and then we will wrap up another bout of information that we plug through today. First, how can I fight my lazy elephant to get more neat in my life? Just some basic strategies that we talked about, parking a little further away when you're going to a store. Also, going up the stairs instead of looking for an escalator or elevator. Those are two very basic strategies to use. Maybe walking the long way, long way around the office. You know, there's I'm sure plenty of ways that you can figure out to fight your lazy elephant. What type of exercise do I enjoy enough to do regularly? Understand it is not the type of exercise necessarily that you should focus on. It is what are you going to do regularly? Yes, I am 100% biased in this. And yet, resistance training is the only form of exercise that you can do, be that body weight or external resistance, that is going to help maintain and or build your strength, which is one of the most important things you can keep as you age. So that is important to do. But outside of that, walking, running, yoga, like whatever it is, understand that it is the intensity of the exercise that is the most important if you're trying to maximize calorie output. And then finally, how can I increase my effort output to burn more calories? And I think the Movement Matters series, that might not be right, might be the Showing Up series. We talked about increasing your effort by reducing the feeling of your effort. In other words, putting in other things throughout your day that are more challenging to you so that when you do effortful things, it feels less effortful. Cold showers is one of those ideas. Other things are exercise. Exercise will make other things feel less effortful. But also, if you put more effort in, when you work at a moderate effort, it's going to feel less effortful. Crazy strategy. So nonetheless, think about those questions. Very important to answer. Okay, that is all I have for today. Make sure you go back and review if you need to. I know that was a lot of information, but there's a lot of stuff in there that is worth hanging on to. Make sure that you subscribe and share if this was useful for you. Those two things are very important for us. You can also leave us up to a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and other podcasts distributors. 
Share with your friends so they can get the good news too. And until next time, my friends, here's to your success in health and fitness mastery.